Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 54, recorded on Friday 3rd of June 2011. A face is the cheapest form of marketing. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. Well, hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus. We're back for episode 54, our first episode post the UK Lug live show. Darren, are you with us? Haven't I've had a tip ready for two whole weeks. <laughs> we didn't do tips last week, did we? No, this is the longest time I've ever had a tip burning a hole in my pocket. So are you back home in the US again now? I am. It's a sultry 94 degrees Fahrenheit today, and it goes up to 96 degrees tomorrow. Oh, goodness me. So a little bit different from Manchester then. Yeah, the sky is actually blue. <laughs> Excellent. It was good to see you and your lovely wife in person last week. Uh, how, how did you find UK Lug? It was excellent. Excellent run. Mozzie was fantastic, which we'll talk about, I guess, a bit later on. Absolutely. But a fantastic location. Brilliant. Well, we're also joined by somebody else who was at UK Lug last week, Mr. Paul Mooney. How are you, Paul? Hello, Stuart. Hey, Darren. Hey, guys. How are you? Very, very good. Thank you, Paul. Um, I, I actually missed you at UK Lug. You, you arrived the day after I left, unfortunately, but um, we've been travelling around the globe this last couple of weeks. Yes, yeah, so I kept your seat warm for you on the plane um, <laughs> by me coming from the US, and I think you were on the exact same flight leaving I the UK, indeed. heading back to the US. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm sitting here. I'm actually at home today, so I'm looking out at a sunny back garden in Belfast in good weather, which is... Uh, Unusual. I was working in France, in the south of France, all week this week for GSX and left rain and clouds in Nice to come to sunshine in Belfast. Even the pilot had to say it was the first time he's ever had to say it the wrong way around. The weather is much better in Belfast than it is. <laughs> that should not happen. So do you want to tell us who you work for and what you do there, Paul? Yeah, um, I work for a company called Blue Wave Technology. Um, I have been in, in notes infrastructure for quite a long time now, um, starting off on various flavors of CCML, Novell. So I've been I've been I've been around a while uh, working with notes. Blue Wave is a UK-based um, kind of high-skill services company. We've got about twenty-six staff. Uh, hilariously, and I need to do a blog post on this, most people when I'm talking to them go, God, it's Blue Wave, Warren and Paul. There's actually <laughs> a hell of a lot more people uh, than Warren and Paul. Um, we're mostly a development company, integration house, um, but we do a lot of mobile work nowadays, um, be it BlackBerry or on iOS and other systems, and then a lot of back-end integration, and a lot of work on the enterprise vault and compliance and um, we're doing, you know, we're, we're pretty much high-skill services. We don't, we, we don't build products. Or anything like that, yeah. but we we work with other companies. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what we do. And and you're talking to the last person alive to install CC Mail. That's that's <laughs> let's not forget that. You know, it's, uh, well, a la- the last person alive to admit it. 
<laughs> I installed it last year, Darren. I, I, I challenge you oh, to find someone you, who has installed it. So you may. You may actually be the last surviving person. Or the, the latest. The, is that the latest or the earliest? I guess it's the latest. Just tell me it wasn't on an OS 2. No, I couldn't get an OS 2 VM. It was on Windows 3.1. <laughs> wow. Um, and uh, I used a VM with 16 meg of RAM, baby. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's a very fast mail system <laughs> and it does everything I need a mail system to do which is why Lotus Live should revert to CC Mail <laughs> and get high, high performance at all, at all costs but uh, it, yeah, I, I, I'm going to get a t-shirt made last living CC Mail installer it was quite funny. I was reading a blog post by Matt Newman last week about how he's made a, a notes calendar look just like a Lotus Organizer. And it's like back to the future, you know, going back to these clients that we really liked 10 years ago and, and kind of making the current ones look more like those. So maybe there's some future to that. You never know. Um, I, I, I wouldn't put it to, to Blue Wave to actually design a mail client that looks like CC Mail. Um, but, you know, if it did, you'd probably get a lot of people using it because it's just so fast and so neat it reminds me very much of mac mail yeah um when i started using again just very minimal just did what it needed to do but very very well so Excellent. Uh, yeah so all is all is good for us at the moment thankfully it's uh it's been a busy few months like it has for you and for darren um kind of uh going against the curve thankfully we've been very very busy with a lot of travel and a lot of customers and a lot of work so Excellent. Well, good news, and thank you for joining us today. We were hoping to be joined by a couple of other guys um, from around the world, but they had to drop out for family and, and work reasons. So just the three of us today, but should be a, a really interesting conversation. So, Darren, do you want to kick us off? UK Lug, uh, you decided to make the journey you know, 3,000 miles back from the US to, to attend. Um, how did you find it compared to some of the other Lugs you've been to? Was there any big difference to some of the ones in the US, maybe? Uh, location, location, location is probably the, the big one. Um, in, in the States, there's really one of two ways of running a lug, either in a windowless IBM office, which is usually where it is, or in a massive, massive location like the world's biggest aquarium in downtown Atlanta. So there's, there's no kind of middle ground. And, and I thought that UK lug was kind of right in the middle of that. It wasn't a massive location where the actual lug itself was, um, but it was big enough to look full and I think I saw a couple of blog posts on that it was either Julian or somebody else had commented on that and then the other thing is where it was situated on I think it was the third floor or the second floor depending on what continent you're on um, <laughs> which really confused me when I first moved to the States but that's a different story for a different day um, the fact that you were in the Museum of Science and Industry in Manchester you know the ag the place where the computer was arguably born with baby, which again, I think Julian took a picture of and is on his blog, yeah. gave you something to do either, you know, uh, at, well, after the session, but it, it is England, so it opens at 10 and closes at 5. So if you don't get in there between them hours, you, you SOL. Um, but it was worth a walk around. And I actually, we actually spent an extra day in Manchester just to go around Mozzie the day after. It was that good of a location. And how about you, Paul? You've obviously you know, organised some lugs yourself. How did you find the, um, the, the place and also running it in, in Manchester? Was it majorly different to, to some of the other lugs you've been to? It, it was different, but the, the, um, it, it was a good venue. It, it, it would appeal to the geeks. It would appeal to uh, geeks who may have brought their partners because uh, Manchester has plenty going on. It's a good, it's a good city. It's, got, it's easy to get to transportation-wise, and our U.S. Uh, cohorts who could get direct flights from Atlanta found it you know, very, very useful. Um, the venue itself, I thought, was fantastic. 
I know there was some problems with the with the Wi-Fi, but I I, I don't think it would be a lug or a Lotus Sphere <laughs> without, uh, you know, a dissension of ridiculous amount of mobile devices all trying to scream for IP addresses. But I I you know it's it's a well-oiled machine at this stage. We've been running these events for years, and uh, it, we kind of know what we're doing when we get there. The the, the main problem that we have now is uh, the logistics of new venues. Yeah. Um, and just getting used to them, but everybody kind of knows their job. I had to, I had to step out of this one because of uh, work commitments more than usually uh, that I would. But sure, you know, uh, as Warren and Kitty both said, like you know, they they got there and everybody just got to work. Yeah. The people all seemed to be having a great time. The people seemed to be really enjoying it. The, the sponsors seemed very happy. Um, I saw a lot of new faces, which is. You know, it's great to see the old people and the old, the old, mm. the, the usual suspects, as it were. But there was people there we didn't recognize, and there was more people than were expected. Uh, it it kind of checked every positive box I can think of, you know. So it was really, really good. The sessions looked great as well. So can't complain. And and I I noticed that too. I, there were there were new faces, but also there were different kinds of faces in terms of you know there's normally a very technical audience at um, at the UK lug and some of the other lugs I've been to. This felt like a little bit more of a mix of business and um, and technical focused people. And and you know there was a good mix of sessions between some of the admin and the developer and also some of the business sessions. So it felt like a much more rounded lug than maybe some of the others I've been to. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I think Warren's always had that aim to kind of keep it a little bit in the line of case study business side as much as tech. Kind of similar to Dnug in a way where Dnug tries to kind of keep the business focus as well. Where other events would be much more infrastructure development, architectural kind of integration um, sessions. It, yeah, it, and, and the face has reflected that. And again interesting people to talk to and if you're a business partner or somebody trying to sell something it's nice to get possibly the higher up the food chain people in the room to kind of show them your concept and your vision or your product and and get them in there so uh yeah it was it was a, it was a different level you know but then intermixed with the usual uh geeks and eggheads and uh uh, sandal and sock wearing people <laughs> like ourselves um, just just firing away you know so I thought, I thought it was a really good mix I'm sorry I was only there for a day and I'm sorry I was so jet lagged that I, I wasn't really at the races so uh, but it really looked the part and and one of the things that, that I took away from it is how many people attended UK look to see how to start off their own look you know, there was a couple of Australians there. There was uh, Sadar from the Turkish user group. So I guess um, copying is the best form of flattery. So the fact that these people are coming to see how this lug is set up and ran is, is nothing short of, you know, probably the, the, the best of, of the best. That's, that's the biggest kudos, I guess, we can give people. Absolutely. Um, there, there, was, there was so many of them there. Um, all asking about events and uh, Warren announced that what what we have is a notes database which is our logistics application so, so the website that you sign on to there's a lot happening in the back end there that we uh, work through in, in, in secure sections for logistics and um, Warren's going to be putting that in OpenNTF um, in the near future but you know a lot of people ask the same types of questions if anything the problem with lugs is there's almost too many of them I think I've said this a thousand times like say eight nine years ago and Stuart you keenly remember this there was nothing um, yeah, absolutely 
you know, and and then one or two events started, and now you can't, you know, you can't go from an event from week to week in the first quarter and the last quarter of the year without stumbling over a user group event in the Lotus realm in some part of Europe. And I think it's key how important those lugs have become because I think even IBM has really noticed that, not just in terms of the investment in time and money they put into the lugs in terms of sponsorship, but also that some of the, the Lotus Becomes You events have almost kind of um, passed over the baton onto some of the lugs. And, and so the Lotus Becomes You is now Get Social Roadshow, much more business and new customer focus, uh, you know, with the reliance on the lugs to kind of look after some of those existing customers and look after some of the technical training needs that perhaps were, were fulfilled by, by maybe IBM in the past. So they've definitely kind of taken over in that space. The other thing that I spotted at UK Lug is, is um, you know, somebody asked how many people have been to Lotusphere this year. And the number of hands was amazingly small. Mostly probably was the speakers at UK Lug that put their hands up. You know, so there is definitely a need for Lugs to step in for those folks that can't make it out to Orlando to, to get that kind of level of community and training that they need through the year. And, and, and I feel, especially this year, um, IBM are being a, a, our experience has been IBM are being a lot more proactive with help than they used to be. That's not to say that, like you know, six years ago, people like Ed and other people would just fly over and do it, and they were they were fantastic that way and get us money. But yeah. they that they're now actually you know getting involved, and it kind of suits them as well because we, I, I think you attract a different level of people. Um, to a a, a a lug event as opposed to an LCTY, um, and that can that can suit IBM sometimes as opposed to something more strategic, and you know it's the the, the old line the uh, the the consumerization of IT. If you if you have people champions within your internal base where you get like the the administrators, the developers, and all that, and go in and see things and love things, they'll sell them internally. And it's not always from the top down. You know, there, there, there is a lot of room for the in, internal champion to, to actually push their products inside. But, um, and, and it's probably, in all fairness, it's probably cheaper for IBM as well because the user groups are typically run free of charge. They're run by volunteers. Um, they're run by guys who just, just do this for reasons they haven't yet figured out. <laughs> and, 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 and they get into a habit of it. And, they, uh, you know, and, and IBM help out, but like, it's a headache removed. Uh, for them while they can focus on other things so it's great and of course Darren had a week off in terms of not presenting at this one but you had a session um, on the Tuesday didn't you at UK Lug what did you present on Paul? I did my Lotusphere session on the Admin Blast it's the uh, the fourth version of that session um, which is where I just get 60 tips in 60 minutes random tips I've picked up throughout the year be it from Planet Lotus from blog sites from Notesnet forums from just about anything um, and uh, I, I'm heavy on content in, in slide decks so it's you tell the people like don't don't take any notes all the contents in the slides just listen and we fly through as many tips as we can um, and you know it's, it typically seems to go down well people seem to enjoy it because they, they walk out of there with something they can use tomorrow and something they can use the minute they go back to, to work and to their office so every year I, I, as I make fun out of I try to uh, in, in the height of collaborative and modern technology I have a text file on my desktop <laughs> and as I find something useful I just paste it into that text file and then when Lotusphere is, is a, comes to us that's what I use as a, to 
my ground point to actually rewrite the presentation. So and Paul, Paul, Paul was a bit like the Tasmanian devil at this one. He kind of spun in uh, after he got off the plane. He then does admin blast, which is kind of like drinking out of the fire hose. <laughs> and then he spins out, and we see him at the bar. And then I, I, it was pretty early you left, right, Paul? Because you, you, you flew back to Belfast that same evening. I ha- yeah, I had an opportunity to go home for one night. So um, with the volcano, Slacker. yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, with the with the volcano and everything else, you know, I was thinking, right, I'm I'm here. I'm not I'm not getting out of Manchester. And then they said, no, the airports are open. So I had a flight book, so I took it. Uh, so you know, I, it's it's bad when you meet because there there is like an old friends club there, and that's a fantastic thing. But um, I I was in saying hello to everyone, and then realizing like my flight was at something like. I think it was almost 7 p.m. So I was out of there by 5 p.m., 5, 5, 5.30 just to get to the plane. So I was gone before I knew it, which is a, which was a shame. But sure, we'll, we'll all meet again at, some, at the next Lotosphere, which I've heard about internal planning meetings in IBM already, which I find scary. They're already starting to put it together. Wow. That's like half a year away already, only now. Yeah, they, they, um, Kristen Keane tells me they start their first meetings about it in April. I was going, God, you know, it's like planning the end of your life. You just keep on putting your head. (laughs) I do like the sound of this just text file to create your presentation for next year. (laughs) Compared to show and tell. Sounds sounds like heaven. So, um, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, go on. You had to get the <laughs> yes. And of course, your presentation being very content heavy, lots of slides was very different to the one that Lisa, Duke, and I did in terms of we had one slide and lots of content that we just shared through discussion and and feedback and kind of got getting some conversation going with the audience. So, there certainly was a good group of different kind of sessions at, at UK Lug. And again, that's that's the kind of great thing about that smaller type environment is, is at Lotusphere, you really got to stand up on stage with lots of slides and present because that's the kind of room and the audience you have and what people are expecting at Lugs you get the chance to do something a little bit different and uh, we tried to do that and, and hopefully it's been a good session I haven't seen the feedback yet but hopefully people enjoyed that one well I, 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 as far as I heard they did and the um, the that's the perfect example for, for a user group event like people often ask and you will get the obligatory questions near the end of this year why did I not get picked for speaking at any event or a event like if, if you know a user group is they're typically they're very open to actually allowing new speakers and it's the best place to practice something or practice a presentation for lotusphere and get some feedback off it you know i know a couple of speakers who give sessions at these events purely to to gauge feedback and then go okay maybe this will work maybe it won't work hmm. yeah. to, to that end i actually also wanted to point out your your social presentation which you put up on slideshare is excellent and i would strongly recommend people take a look at it um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I was very impressed with that, and I, 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 I would love, and I equally hate good and/or bad presentations, but I thought yours was very, very good. It really was. Thank you. Paul. Slightly longer than one slide. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's actually up on the homepage of SlideShare, which I'm just completely, um, you know, flabbergasted by. So uh, I'll certainly put a link in the show notes if anybody wants to get a hold of that. Uh, we're going to be updating it in the next couple of days as well. So keep keep an eye out for that. And uh, thank you to Bill Buchan as well, who critiqued it over Twitter yesterday. <laughs> some really good feedback for it as well. So thank you, guys. Um, now, Paul, you've also been presenting on mobile technology, haven't you? You're out um, a couple of sessions um, in in the US, talking about mobile, um, kind of where are you at with mobile? You're obviously doing quite a lot of work with Traveller. You're also very up to date with some of the devices out there. Kind of, what's your feedback with where things are at the moment? Um, 
Well, all in all, the the uh, I've spent probably myself and Warren have spent about fifty percent of our collective year so far working in the mobile realm. So if you take every buzz term like consumer consumerization of IT and the tablet takeover and um, all these other forms coming into it in post-PC era by His Holiness Steve Jobs um, being brought into the marketplace, it, it, it just it is definitely something that's not going to go away. We all know that. But um, the iPad and the iOS currently is king in Europe. I see a lot more Android in the U.S., um, but everybody is going down that road, be it bring your own device or not bring your own device, but of taking a more consumer-orientated device and using it in the enterprise. The uh, team studio who you know put this session together and are using me to present some, uh, these workshops, which there's one on in London next week. Um, the you know we we put the whole session together on Traveler, but they've got some great ideas in there of where they think it's all going to go. You know, like, like uh, we get into a discussion on the day. If you, if you look at the um, angry bird mentality of uh, consumer devices, the the exceptional UI experience is what users currently are used to. Um, I often get into the debate about the proficiency of younger uh, IT users. I, I don't think the youth of today are any better at IT. I think they're worse. If you take Facebook away from my niece, she doesn't know what to do with a computer. You know, the 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 uh, the our generation is probably, in my opinion, the most IT proficient generation there probably will ever be. Well, not necessarily the most. Uh, you know, we're probably not using IT half as much as the, as the next generations will use it. But the user experience that they're used to in these mobile devices and on platforms will become king for enterprise applications down the road. You know, like good user experience, intuitive design, ease of use. So I, I think we're only at the starting point, really, when it comes to mail, calendar, personal information. I, do, I just think applications are the natural flow after that. But uh, Blue Wave as a company, we're deploying Traveler. Um, I, you know, around two to three Traveler deployments on customer sites a month. Um, so it's 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 you know it's an explosion in a sense, and it is it's a simple install. Um, w with the workshop, we really take the install apart and we go through as much as we can of impossible in a day on what you can do with Traveler by pushing the boundaries and changing things around and making alterations to it. And um, you know the, the the feedback that we were getting was was really really good. Like the, I think I wrote a blog post about it or. Will I bore you with that now, or will I? No, wait tell for us. Later? Um, I, I was, we gave the presentation in New York, the first all-day traveler workshop. Uh, uh, Andy Donaldson, another blogger, um, was there at it, and people from various companies, including mobile development companies, people with nothing to do with the Lotus Domino workspace. And one interesting observation I had was when I got talking to these guys afterwards, I was going, "So why are you here?" You know, and they were going, "Well." We're pushing MDM products, which are management products, to customer sites. But the higher up the scale they go in the U.S., the more they keep on hearing going, you know, people going, well, we're a Notes Domino house. So they're saying, okay, well, we have to integrate with Notes and Domino. So they're, they're going to these workshops to learn how these things work. Um, the second thing we did was, and it, it was a great idea, um, unfortunately it wasn't mine. The, uh, the idea was as part of our workshop, we hand out devices. And uh, we, I brought a load of iPod Touches and a load of Android phones with me. 
had some interesting experiences in U.S. Customs, flying in <laughs> with them all. But um, either way, got in, got to New York, and we we dispersed them. We had a whole fake network up and running, and we said, okay, well, if you're an Android user, take the iPod. If you're an iPod user, take the Android. Um, we want you to do the self-service setup. And it was a horrible, frustrating and very entertaining 20 minutes watching people who don't know the other side of the device realm. Um, and these are IT professionals. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it, was, it was amazingly interesting for me and some of the guys from Team Studio to watch. We weren't, it wasn't a marketing ploy, it wasn't anything. And we, it started this whole separate discussion and they started going, well, this is, you know, this is incredibly complex in comparison to what I'm used to, be it one way or the other. You know, Android users probably found the iOS a bit easier than iOS users were finding Android. Yeah. But, um, and they were going like, you know, how can we automate this better? How can we do it better? And, and one site was there with a 2,000 user deployment of Traveler. And he's going, well, they have documented to hell and back the whole self-service setup. Put it up on a wiki page. Set up everything as much as possible. And he was quite proudly, you know, pointing out, you know, we're at 60% self-automated setup success. Which, to me, being the cynical administrator, is forty percent failure. Yeah. Um, which is you know forty percent of two thousand users. You know it, that's that's a lot of support calls, and that's a lot of work. So it's how do we make this easier? How do we simplify the management process? And and I, I think that's going to become a bigger and bigger challenge as these things invariably get more and more complex down the road. IBM. I would love. Very wonder. I, I would love to see how many. Bez installations activate the device on behalf of the user or ship it out activated and not send them that two-line email that really doesn't have good instructions. So I, I, I was shocked at the number. I, I must admit, on an iPhone, it's reasonably pretty straightforward because it's all ActiveSync. On, on the Android, it's a bit more convoluted, let us say, because it's not integrated to the device at all. But I, I would love to get a, a, a benchmark of Okay, if we got a two thousand seat BlackBerry deployment, how many Blackberries were actually activated by their own users? That's a good. It's a fair point, but you know the enterprise activation in BlackBerry can be, you, you, you can have it where you just enter your name and password and it does it all. You just have to turn it on, and the first wizard screen is you're going to set up your mail. Um, I'm a big fan of BlackBerry, but you know we're we're aware of the realities of of, of the world anyway. But I I found it fascinating because I never thought there would be that many issues with self-service setups. Mm. Um, I, I, I thought, you know, you're always going to get calls. There's always going to be dumb users. You can't fix stupid. But you, I wasn't expecting it to be that high. And I, I think that mobile management um, will definitely become more and more to the fore in, and, and, did, and ease of use for users. Did you have different models of Android or was it all the same model? All the same model of Android went out. Um, I don't even know what the model was. Um, and, I, and iPod Touches. Um, which we all threatened that we wanted back for the next event in London as well. So, um, <laughs> so we took the, took them all back with us. And, and I, I've read some reviews lately of you know iOS users moving to Android. And actually, I've I've done the same thing. I've been using an Android device for the last month or so after being an iPhone user for years. And and it all seems to come down to the same thing: is, is that if it's your first smartphone, whichever it is, whether it's Android or 
or an iPhone after having dumb devices or previous sort of generations of smartphones, you're, you're really enthralled by the experience. You know, the whole way of using uh, an iPhone type device is just so dramatically better than whatever you've had before. It, it tends to be a great experience and you, and you grow to love the device. If you then have to switch between something that's as good as that to something that works subtly or, or, or even more than that differently, then it tends to be a hard shift. And, and I think we're, we're kind of seeing that is that people have had iPhones and now moving to Android just struggling with the switch. And I certainly don't kind of love the, the Android experience nearly as much as I do the iOS. But I think probably if you went to Android first and then moved to the iPhone, you find out how you know, limited it is and how restricted it is. So it's kind of, it's whichever one you got to first becomes the one that you enjoy using, the one that you kind of feel most at home on. Maybe I that's guess a good... I'm the exception to the rule then because I'm, I'm seriously thinking about ditching my Android device and just sticking with my iShiny for, for a couple of reasons. One is the battery life, right? Android battery life is just bad, period. You can tell Google manufactured this why it was constantly tethered or constantly plugged in because it, it, there's no idea about what, what it does to the battery. The second is that no matter what iShiny device I go to, be it an iPad, an iPhone, an iPod Touch, that the UI is all the same. On an Android device, it can change even between the version of the OS installed on the same device. So we've seen a lot of customers have problems where they have a mixture of HTC or a mixture of Samsung, and you can't create one help document for both sets of devices because the, the user interface is so different and, and the way the, the user navigates around the screens is so different. But that, that, that's the big problem I see right now. And another thing is, if you think about that from a support perspective, the iPhone has the restrictiveness and the ring fencing of iOS has turned into almost one of its greatest strengths. As we discussed this with people with 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 Android, and we talked about this at the workshop, you get different flavors, custom builds, carrier bloatware, yeah. carrier restrictions. Imagine supporting Android and all the flavors of Android, or supporting. An iOS platform, which has about 98% uh, same versions, people upgrade instantly because iTunes tells them to. Um, and, and being able to support an iOS environment is radically going to be radically easier than supporting Android. Not, and I'm a fan of both. And, I, and you know, there's things that make me want to chuck my iPhone out the window compared to an Android. But you, you know, from a support perspective, iOS does look easier. And it looks like it will be cheaper to support in, in from a full-time engineer perspective and from a management perspective. So let me ask a controversial question. Me, controversial, really. Um, <laughs> it's not like you, Darren. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, so is, is the iShiny is is the devices easier to activate and manage at some level tied to the fact that they use Enterprise ActiveSync as their entire transport mechanism and the fact that the but Android doesn't, it's a created application. Um, if you're asking me, the answer is yes, it does, because it's more natively integrated into the operating system. The wizard is built for it better than installing an application. Yeah, I, I, I think it's easier. From a scaling perspective as well, you can put more iOS users on a traveler server than Android users. Um, it uses less resources on ActiveSync than HTTP PushSync. Um, but from a you know, from a support and user setup perspective, no, I I think iOS is easier. How about Windows Mobile or Windows Phone 7? Are you getting many requests from users for that support? Getting small requests. I won't say, I won't say I'm not getting any. Um, we have three different customers at the moment asking for it. Um, 
they're not large customers and they're willing to wait. One of, one of the advantages of being a business partner, as, as you guys are well aware, because IBM are so definitive in their answer of this, it's not it might work or it might not work. It's no. You know, you're not going to get it. You're not going to support it. It's not going to be too difficult for them, for, for IBM to build support for it. But, you know, they may end up with the same problems. There'll be slightly different versions and slightly, you know, slightly different flavors. And they're probably waiting to see what's going to happen with Nokia and waiting to get their hands on 7 and seven Windows Phone 7.5 as well. Um, but that said, when Nokia starts shipping, um, I can see that rocket. Because it's yeah. the consumer rule here. Like the consumer will buy his phone at Christmas. He'll go into work in January, and he'll go, "Yeah, I gave up the iPhone. Can you set this up, please?" Yeah. And, and one that- of the things I noticed walking around Manchester was the, the amount of well, two things. One, bus stops. We don't have them in Atlanta. <laughs> um, number two is the the amount of Windows Seven Mobile or Windows Mobile Seven, whichever way it's worded now, adverts on the side of said bus shelters. There was literally tens or twenty of them if you just walk down one street. Well, Microsoft marketing in the UK is a machine. Um, look at look at our cloud advertising when you go through London. It's incredible. It really is. And on the subject of Microsoft, um, yesterday they released the, the first demos of, of, um, of Windows 8. You know, this kind of new layer of, of tablet-type UI, touch UI on top of the next version of Windows. Did, did either of you see that demo? Yep. Um, I, I blogged it up yesterday. Um, put a link up to the YouTube video. The... Uh, and I think, uh, as ever, uh, Falker Weber put it best. It looked really cool and really interesting, and looked like iOS and our Windows Phone Seven even on the device with some interesting methods. And then they switch back to the old screen. <laughs> uh, you go back to Windows Explorer. Um, but I, it, it, it looks, it looks good. It looks really, really nice. Maybe that new interface is part of their Aero screen that they had started with Vista and. You know, maybe that's the way it's going to be deployed. I, you know, I'm, I'm giving them credit. I am. I like Windows Seven. Um, I, I think that Windows Phone Seven as well is very impressive. You know, they're a bit late out of the gate, but uh, they're trying to do this. My, my, what I'm thinking is, from an Apple perspective, is, you know, what happens next with iOS? Because we can, we're already starting to see the iOS integration into macOS. So yeah. I think both of these game players are heading down the same road. But almost coming at it from different directions. So, you know, on the tablet, which is clearly the big growth market of the next couple of years, you know, given the iPad success, Apple have kind of taken the phone OS and brought it up to the tablet, whereas Microsoft are going the other route, aren't they? They're taking the desktop OS with all the 20 years of history and bringing that down onto the tablet. So they're kind of going at it at different angles, but ending up with the same thing. And it's going to be interesting to see which one of those kind of wins out with the simplicity of the of the uh, Apple uh, tablet OS, all the kind of you know complexity but power of the Microsoft route, and see which one um, you know proves to be the best for the tablet user. I, I, the thing I, that Microsoft did is they had to wait for the technology to catch up to what they wanted to do because of that legacy, right? So Aero was on Vista. A lot of people turned it off because the graphics cards couldn't handle it. Well, now you're starting to see the level of graphics on a, on a tablet or a netbook or, or a ultra mobile is, is only 18 to 24 months behind what the desktops are now. I think that they, um, Apple have it easier because they build their own hardware. Yeah. Um, I, I think they've always had it easier because they build their own hardware. 
And to give Windows credit where they're due, they build an operating system to run on how many variants of devices. Uh, there's not as many as people think because a lot of things are rebranded, but the, you know how many variants of cards and, and chips and boards, and it'll be the same in the mobile world. Um, the you know Steve Jobs' mantra is build one thing and um, you know build one or two things and build them really really well. Uh, where Microsoft, due to its scale at the time, just had to be all things to all men, and that that's made it very tough for them. They've got years of code that they have to kind of deal with, um, as any big old system will have years of code that it has to deal with. I I I do think that the uh, because this is consumer orientated, the coolness factor of iOS um, will will also help them. You know, Apple's not going anywhere quickly. They they are uh, they're they're only planning ahead, and sure we'll get to see what's coming up next in WWDC next week when they start to announcing iOS five and our iCloud service and Line as well. I guess the yeah. next version of OS ten too. So it's going to be a big week next week. And um, you know, with with Microsoft, we talked about the the sort of difficulties of managing complexity and and all that kind of thing. You work a lot with GSX, don't you? Uh, and you've been out at their event as well. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what GSX is doing? We had a um, we had Eileen on a couple of weeks ago talking about GSX 10. You've had a chance to have a look at that. How did, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I've spent I've spent this week looking at it with them. Um, I, they are they were good enough to take me in to actually help them with some of their UAT. They're about to ship it. Um, it's a major release of GSX Monitor and Analyzer. The the product has been out for years. It was the incumbent monitoring tool for a long time for Domino environments as, as far back as I can remember. Really, notes in big scale production sites. I remember Candle and Telewatch, which was acquired by IBM, and GSX Monitor. Yeah. Um, the, the, the new version of GSX Monitor is, you know, it, it's 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 much more all-encompassing. It, you, it, you, it's modular. You install what modules you want to use and what ones you want to pay for. So you can now have a section on Traveler. So there's a whole Traveler monitoring section built in. You can have a section on Quicker. You can have a section on Exchange and a section on SharePoint. And they're, um, and, you know, and same time eight five, full fat same time, uh, monitoring as well as just a community server, and um, you know as well as port monitoring, monitoring URL monitoring, all in one simple to use interface. I won't say it's the easiest interface in the world to use. There's a lot of depth behind it, but they've, uh, it is relatively green. Things are good. Yellow, they're not so good. Red, you're in trouble type of setup and uh, dashboard which is which is good so they have their monitor interface which gives all these different environments for or different screens for different environments for what you're monitoring and then they have the full flex interface which is for their reporting uh, the analyzer for giving you trend reports and statistics and um, that 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 tools it's very pretty uh, whenever I've shown that bit of the tool to anyone in senior level IT management they like it. They, they they just get a lovely, pretty dashboard, and it mails them customizable PDFs every week, saying how many messages were rooted, how many failed, or how much data was sent over this, and what failed. And it, it does a lot of your uh, reporting that you would have to do yourself for you, or stuff that you've never done before. It does it for you, and it makes it makes the IT admin guys look pretty good, is what I've typically found when people have gone and actually gone with the product. Um, the, the new version 10 is, you know, adds in all these modules. There's loads of little fixes, things that used to drive me crazy about the product are starting to address. Um, the upgrade was simple. 
the um, we have it monitoring the blue wave servers i'm using their a release client build not their very final release they haven't packaged it together yet and i haven't really found anything major in a product and it hasn't crashed it runs very well like you know it's, it's still technically beta and it's perfectly fine so i'll, I'll give them credit um, where it's you, it's I'm a fan of the tool. I'm a fan of the product. Um, I always recommend that people look at these and other monitoring tools. But GSX is positioned very well. But, but I would say in in the US they have a pretty large install base mm-hmm. in, in the big customer seats. Um, it always surprises me how people on on the you know the 250 or less male users still don't embrace can monitoring because just a simple question that paul just came up with which is how many messages were routed this week they'll all sit there and scratch their heads and then walk off for two days and come back with a number that wasn't true so you know it does do a lot of stuff that would make your life a whole lot easier oh yeah absolutely it and and, and what i found is the same with things like uh, lotus traveler and it not having you know, high availability support as yet and, and things like this. Everybody likes free um, and free tools until something goes wrong. You know, most I, I've done quite a few GSX installs and I'll give it a good 50% of them have been reactive. You know, installs after a major screw up, which they know that this tool would have helped them with. <laughs> so it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's always been something like that. So it's much better to actually put these things in. Um, I, I, I'm not really involved in the money side of it or the pricing side of it, but you know, I, I calculate a lot of things based on full-time engineer time and operational time because that time is expensive. Yeah. And how much time will you save? Like, is it one person per Monday per month or, you know, or one person per day if you go buy tool XYZ? Same with mobile device management or monitoring. You know, with mobile device management, if, you, if you're under 100 users with mobile devices, you know, you, probably Traveler is perfectly fine for you. If you start going over 100 users, you start calculating how much time you're going to be supporting different endpoints with different operating systems, because you're, you know, and your VPN that comes with that and all the things, it, it starts to add up pretty quick. And, you know, you have to make it strategic. Or, and if, 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 if you try to put a dollar or a euro value to that, it may justify actually looking at these tools and actually putting them, putting them out to buy, especially the mobile road, because I just see if you've got 200 users at the moment on, with laptops, you're going to have another 200 at least mobile devices coming in, because most people and, own more than one. And they won't double the number of people managing them? No, not at all. And, uh, and this is almost a problem with Traveler. It's, um, it's, it's too simple to install. God, I'm kicking myself for saying that. You know, I, I dread the day they throw WebSphere in there. Um, but the, uh, the, the Traveler install is, is easy, so it's hard to justify it as strategic. But it's just like the BlackBerry installs, Darren, you and me did years ago. That you go and install it on a machine under a desk, and two days <laughs> yeah. later, the boss runs in and says, don't ever turn that machine off. That machine stays on forever. Now it's strategic. What yeah, it's been proof given? of concept. Uh-huh. Oh, sure it is. For an hour, uh, <laughs> Over yeah. months, it's moved from proof of concept <laughs> to strategic. Um, but you, the problem is, you have been given no, no money for it, no planning for it, no, no, no time to actually go. What can we do with this? And and I, I really do believe apps will follow. You know, the the the, the whole application subspace of all these things will, will, are no brainers to me. Uh, like the connections apps for traveler and all these other apps and these purpose built even notes domino apps on surfacing them on iOS or surfacing them on Android or HTML5 or WebKit or whatever, they will become 
part of your job because people will want to do more with their iPhone or iPad especially than mail because they use it for a lot more than everything that all the time. You can't do that if it's sitting on a desktop under a desk because you know you have to make it strategic and it's a lot easier to plan from the start. Not necessarily spend all the money but just plan a strategic deployment from the start and put it in the right box or put it on a small VM and then you know giving yourself the room to scale it up if you need to. Absolutely right. And of course, you've mentioned same time in that, you know, GSX can monitor same time. We've had a new release of same time out this week. Same time 8.5.2 has been released. It seems to be the, the kind of fully mature version of 8.5 that we've been waiting for with, with most of the major issues uh, resolved. Dan, have you had a chance to have a look at the announcement yet? Um, I, I perused it a few times. Um, they were a week ahead of schedule, so we weren't. I wasn't actually expecting to talk about this till next week, but because it came out, I guess... I added it in just as, as, as a quick FYI. It, it does look like that the real same time 8.5 has now been released. All of my qualms and tribulations about installing it due to reflective issues and that traversal hopefully have gone. We, we, we have to play with it a bit in-house to, to make sure that we can go ahead and, and recommend it to the big customers who are waiting on this. We've got a, a couple of large Japanese subsidiaries in america wait, waiting to go at the same time 852 and we've been holding them off literally for a year and a half for this to come out absolutely right and uh, paul what, what are your thoughts on 852 is there anything your customers have been waiting for in it <laughs> they've been waiting for it to work across a network <laughs> um they yeah a lot of we probably just like darren um, and, and yourself you know uh, we put the brakes in it for a lot of our customers because of network transversals um, the idea of putting an audio-visual conversation, social uh, discussion tool that doesn't really understand NATs and firewalls out there, um, it wouldn't have done us any favors deploying it. Now, with these issues addressed, you know, it's a, it's a big beast of a tool, but it's a big beast of a tool that does some nice things and looks pretty good. So um, it, a lot of our larger customers, now that this is out, are, are starting to look at it and look at deployment. And actually, on, on that topic, I have a question for both of you, really, is if you had a new customer coming to you that wanted a web conferencing tool, so, you know, they don't already have same time, they're looking for something that would do web conferencing, would you recommend a cloud-based or an on-premise tool, whether it's same time, whether it's Microsoft OCS or whatever? Is that still an application that lives better on-premise or does it live better out in the cloud somewhere? Are you trying to get me more vilified by IPM this week? <laughs> well, no, it was a question that I was asked at the conference that Paul and I were both at at different times last week. I was asked this question, uh, and it kind of it's an interesting question now, is that there are so many good cloud-based tools out there, Lotus Live Meetings being one of them, you know, but also WebEx and some of the others. Is, is that still a, a tool that needs to sit on your network, or is it one that's just best pushed out to somebody else to look after? I think it's a customer-centric decision. Just like anything to do with the cloud is. Now, I'm, I, I would rather use Lotus Live Meetings because I've only got one pipe coming out of my network and then it's all on the IBM infrastructure and they have infinitely bigger pipes than I do, hopefully. But there, there is something to be said for being able to sit in a conference room and have one of them big TVs and the high-definition video cameras and be able to talk from you know, Atlanta, Georgia to Tokyo, Japan and, and have that feeling, the Jack Bauer-esque kind of Cisco fake feeling that, that you're all in the same room. And, and Lotus Live cannot do that. Um, I don't know if it ever will, but it just can't. 
Same time to an extent, kind of can, but it's not like what we call over here a Brady Bunch, which is where you want six people kind of all on the screen and you, you, you can kind of fake look up and pretend you're looking at the person ahead of you. But, but, it, that, that, but there are some reasons, be it law or internal requirements or socks or JSOCs, where you may not want this stuff out in the cloud. Okay, well, if you, my take on it is almost identical. It depends on the customer. Um, if the, it's the typical consultant answer, you know, how to avoid a question. Um, the, the answer is it depends. The, if, if, just like messaging and anything else, um, if the customer wants an ease of deployment tool for online meetings and that's their primary use and cost is a key, yeah, put it in the cloud, definitely. If they're compliant orientated, security orientated, want to know where their data is at all times, I also want internal control of it um, and the ability to integrate it and maybe you know leverage the APIs, then it's on-premise. At the moment, um, on-premise. But you know, the, the, neither of those installs, OCS or same time 8.5, are small installs. Not now. So you, it really depends if you want it strategic internally or put it in the cloud. It's, I, I can see it eventually, probably, and I'm lining myself up to be kicked here mm -hmm. because of the persistence or, or, or the lack of persistence of some of the stuff in these things it's the perfect cloud tool you know it's, it's, it's just like a quick meeting it's audio visual um, save the data locally N not, not so much as mail because there's a lot more data in mail yeah. but um, I, I think that the, the type of meeting becoming a cloud service makes sense to me and there's so many companies making a lot of money out of been, being providing those services for years already that we all use so the uh, I think that's eventually where it will go. Excellent answer, both of you. That's really good. Um, and moving on to other topics, um, there's some wiki-based news this week. First of all, there's a, a feedback survey that IBM are running. Mary Beth Raven mentioned it on her blog on the notesdesignblog.com, asking how the wikis are working for people and, and what they can do to improve them. So I encourage you to go and uh, join in that survey if you have a particularly strong opinion either way on, on those wikis. And also, uh, Ed blogged yesterday about a new wiki page which lists the Domino hosting company companies that are out there um, and again many people are looking to move to the cloud but it's public cloud or private cloud and some of these hosting companies may be able to help you make that move so both both wikis are well worth looking at there's uh, links in the show notes to both of those um, this is also a big month for X pages. I noticed at UK Lug there were a huge number of sessions on X pages and an awful lot of questions being asked about it to people like Matt White and and uh, and so on. Some of the guys from Intech were, were dealing with a lot of questions there. It, it's been termed Learn X pages month. Do either of you guys know about this and any thoughts on, on what's going on about that? I think it's a splendid idea. Um, I, Despite protestations of a wise, I actually do like X pages and I do like JSF and I've liked JSF since about 2002. So the, the more... That sounded like backtracking then. Uh, no, no, not really. I, I, I like the technology. It's just not new. And that's what people kind of get a bit yeah. flustered over, that it's new, it's new, it's new. It's not new. It's been around since 2002, um, which I think is good and bad. Good because hey, it allows Domino developers to do stuff they've never been able to do before, which is why you need to go learn it. Um, being able to display uh, disparate data in the same page is nothing short of a sky opens, the angels sing, and everything right in it is right in the world moment the first time you do it. So it's worth going, and, and I'm glad to see that something's being kind of put around the month of June to say, if you haven't yet taken the step, 
let us coax you along with it. And there's tons of deals. There's some freebies out there. Uh, it's just a good thing. I would definitely agree. Um, I would. I'm as a business partner, as a consultant, and an architecture guy who doesn't give a hoot about. Uh, the development mode. Uh, I'm quite happy to see a lot of developers exciting about a product I support, because I um, I want to go to conferences where there's only 20% of the people are infrastructure. Because if you want a sign of a vibrant product doing very well, there's a lot more developers using it than admins using it. If you want to see a product that's not doing very well, there's more ad- infrastructure people because it's now in legacy mode and a lot less developers. So anything that promotes the development environment with you know, geniuses like Matt White and everybody else that's in that that group is 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 great news, fantastic news. Okay, and again, there's links in the show notes to a competition and also some deals that are going on around X pages. So take a look at those if you, if you get the chance. Um, something that also has come up in the news this week is that the Lotusphere Online site is being um, effectively retired, which it always does every year after Lotusphere. They close down the online site that people go to to get their presentations and, and offer feedback on Lotusphere conference and so on. But the difference this year is that IBM has answered some queries from the community in terms of keeping the community around. Lotus going on an ongoing basis and so there's an announcement um, again that came came out of the Lotusphere online team this week that they're going to move that community onto Greenhouse uh, it's going to be available all year round and they'll then exploit that as we go through to Lotusphere 2012 or, or whatever that event's going to be called um, and, and, and clearly Chris Miller and, and others in the community have had a very big part to play in campaigning for that um, so I, I think that's got to be a good thing do you guys agree? Yeah yeah absolutely um you know, it, it's, it was one of the main points where if you go to any other major event like that, the data is persistent for years. Mm. Um, so keeping that data and that conversation going may encourage people, more people to use the greenhouse, uh, may encourage more people to kind of take a look around and get talking to other people. But the, the idea of all that, all like you know how much work, and I'm lining myself up for another kicking and saying <laughs> this, you know how much work goes into some of that content um, at Lotusphere. And... Um, you know, for for all of that content and some of the data to go away, it was yeah. just it was just a waste. I'm not going to say it was stupid or madness. It was just a horrible waste. So this is a good thing. Um, you know, putting it in putting it in the greenhouse to me makes sense. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. Darren, you? Um, if if they're going to insist on putting stuff in the greenhouse, they need to make the registration process much 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 faster. I would agree. And it, it, it would seem to make sense to allow people to use their IBM IDs as well rather than needing a separate registration. But, what? Uh, single sign-up. Single, ah, single directory? Whatever. That's crazy talk. <laughs> <laughs> and the other point that I raised on Twitter this week, and we don't want this week later just to be a soapbox for Darren mm. and I, but I did raise a, a query. Well, about... yeah, yeah, well, I, want to, I want to backtrack it. Yes, we do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So the point I raised is, is the greenhouse kind of production ready in, in terms of it's always been portrayed as being a test and demo site. And, and now we're putting more and more kind of long running, long term permanent solutions in there. And therefore, maybe some of the signage on that site needs to be rephrased in terms of, of you know, telling people that actually this is somewhere you need to come back. You know, you need to keep coming back to visit. You need to put content in it. We need to improve what's in there to make it more sticky, if you like, for, for the future. I'm going to be interested to see if no one uses it for 30 days, does it get deleted? 
<laughs> well, I hope not, because it's going to be part of the same community as, as um, Mary Beth Raven and, and Joyce Davis run. So it's, the Lotusphere content is going to go into the IBM Collaboration Solutions User Experience Community, or what used to be LTIE. So I, I think it's good in that they're, they're putting everything into one place. So um, yeah, hopefully that community will be vibrant, will be well used, will be well read, and, and therefore people will see some of this content as it gets uploaded. And that name is amazing. IBM Collaboration Solutions User Experience Community. Try saying that even after two cups of coffee. <laughs> not, not Guinness, not, not whiskey, just two cups of coffee. See what you get. I can say it after a cup of water. <laughs> um, I, 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 I would always go one step further, and, and this probably kind of semi-fits, but why not just stick developer works in there? You know, why not just make yeah. it a greenhouse for development and knowledge? But then the, the sideline to that is when do you stop? You know, at what point do you stop putting stuff in there? But um, I think it could work there too. Yeah, absolutely right. Unfortunately, there's, there's rather too many IBM connections environments at the moment. That's, that's a point that's been raised in previous episodes of this week and later. And hopefully, they will be rationalised as as we move along through the next couple of years. So, Who's some supposed to remove silos. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not going there, Darren. Um, and one of the other topics of conversation on Twitter this week uh, and on blogs as well was the um, the loss of Darren Adams from IBM UK. He was uh, previously one of the main salespeople for Lotus in the UK, had a job that looked after Northern Europe at one time uh, for Notes and Domino and same time a quicker. So a very important person to IBM UK. He's moved to Microsoft, uh, as have many others that have moved from uh, IBM UK to Microsoft over the last six months or so. And both Darren, uh, Duke and I have put blog posts up on this, uh, you know, lamenting the loss of key individuals across to the main competitor and, and whether... IBM needs to do something to stem that flow and also to recruit key people from outside of IBM. Now, Paul, from the discussions we've had, you, you don't necessarily feel that we're we're shooting in the right direction on this one. So what was your point of view? What Was the loss of Darren a big one? And does IBM need to do anything about losing these key people? Um, well, I suppose first thing is uh, I, I, know, I know Darren a long time. Um, I'd consider him a friend just from bumping into him over all the years, and I wish him the absolute best no matter where he goes because he deserves it. He's a, he's a damned hard worker. Absolutely. Um, and he was the one guy, if, if you know, he's your, your UK based, um, you know, he's one guy if you, if you could phone him. If Darren, you know, I have a problem with this, and there was a few guys like that, and Darren was definitely key there. If there's something going on, you could give him a call, and he'd give you his opinion. And he'd be, you know, perfect feedback, whether he agreed or disagreed with you, which I always thought was great. Um, so wish him well, no matter where he ends up. Absolutely. Um, on the other side, yeah, it's a loss. He, he, I, I, I kind of consider face being the cheapest form of marketing. Um, you know, it's, it's if, if, like Ed is the face of Lotus in the U.S., possibly not so much globally, maybe in Germany. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's a great way to market the product. And I, and I also appreciate that doesn't sit in IBM well because IBM have the uh, 18 month two step rotation process and you know they, they, they're a bigger company than one person they make sure they are like they, they're a shareholder driven company but it's, it's, it's a shame when you lose somebody who's been in the realm for 20 years that's 20 years of knowledge gone and that's, that, 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 that's tough um, I think there's um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you, you um, I love you both deeply, but uh, I think you both overreacted a little bit in the blogs and on the sites. Um, I think we have to be, first, top of the list, wish him very well. Second of all, I think we need to back him up. Um, and then also, you know, say, yeah, this is a terrible thing. It is a shame. 
some things just because of the nature of business and I don't agree with it but because of the nature of business some things should happen behind the scenes um, some things get a better reaction when you do it in public but um, not necessarily the longer term the better thing and that's just my opinion on it um, I I think it's a big loss I you know you need a face you need to be able to associate a, a face with the product and, and Darren's going to be a big loss to that so and I think what, what's been interesting is some of the, the noise that's been being made by IBM as part of the social business initiative in many ways. And it's, you know, they're saying that they're not going to have an IBM ID on Twitter that gets used. They're going to rely on individuals to be very social themselves. They're also saying that people buy software or buy products from people they trust. And, and so personal relationships are everything. And so it feels almost as if, you know, business 2.0, whatever you want to call it, the way we do business today is based around those personal relationships more perhaps than it's ever been. And, and therefore losing somebody like Darren, who's had 20 years of, of, um, you know, of customer relationships is a very big deal. And so that does seem to go a little bit against the culture that, that we see in IBM, which I should say is the moving around of people, moving from role to role. You know, no one person is, is important to the overall you know, global thing. So it, it, I, I wonder whether some adjustments are going to need to be made in terms of how they manage those kind of personal relationships as people move on. Absolutely. And, and if you look at like IBM's 100-year history, massive, massive company with fingers and talons everywhere around the world, in and out of government, a massive business, um, working in every level and every facet of huge companies. And then you see Lotus, which in fairness has never really fit their model. Um, and, 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 you know, always been like email is a social tool. You know, they've always been this kind of social tool and developing and working on relationships and done a great job. It's an adjustment for all of them. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an adjustment for IBM to deal with it and, and for Lotus to deal with it. And, you know, I, there's some great guys in Lotus and IBM or in Lotus, if we use that term anymore, um, that will be, you know, trying to get some making wins internally and saying we're going to do this xyz this way now and be more social but then you've got a hundred years you know of red tape um and bureaucracy that will come behind all that and legal and stuff you know so i feel for guys in there to have to battle against that sometimes and um once ibm gets rolling on something it's hard for them to stop so i'm hoping that all these uh, little things will make them start rolling and 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 start you know, behaving better. They've come a long way. I think you'll both agree they've come a long way socially in 12 months. Would yeah. that be fair? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I've got to give it to them. In 12 months, they've gone. They've, they talked the talk for quite a while, but in 12 months, or even since January, they're really pushing it out. Now, I'll, I'll give Alistair and, and Sandy and, and other people in there, you know, some credit for that. Um, but, you know, you're fighting them. You're fighting a juggernaut. Of, of a machine so the, I'm sure it's a tough fight for them to, to actually get it pushed along I it's I don't know where it'll end I don't know where it will stop because um, you know you're, you're dealing with a, a, a company that has more staff than some governments and um, having to kind of you know bring change into things like that can take 20 years but we are now in a technology that is moving faster every year and it's changing faster every year. Like the social, the social spread, mobile technology, these are the fastest moving technologies ever. And two years from now, Stuart, you'll be saying some new technology is the fastest moving technology ever. So this is this whole 
zigzag process, you know. And there, you're we're all in little speedboats as business partners. They're in, I won't say the Titanic, but they're in like a massive, massive aircraft carrier. Aircraft carrier that's that can send off their flight planes every now and then, but trying to move the actual big boat, it takes some work, you know. And uh, I I I feel for them there in that way. They. They have never understood Lotus since they acquired it. And for the past 10 years, they've pretty much been trying to deprecate everything about it. And I think the recent exodus or the increased perception of an exodus, I think, is is, is the pinnacle of this. C- can one person make a difference inside of IBM? No. But one person can absolutely make a difference with Microsoft when he goes and talks to your customers now. So IBM are doing a really good job of creating personalities and then allowing them to walk out freely available to their competitors. Uh, it's, it's astounding to me that IBM allow this to happen. The occasional person that stays longer than 18 months, which is a Darren Adams and Ed Brill, they make a radical difference to the product themselves but they spend an awful lot of time cleaning up the shit that the people before them broke in their 80-month stint of believing that, that the boat was going in a completely wrong direction and just decided to rip it all out or said something on the stage of Lotusphere. It's it, the, the, I think the term overly dramatic has been said to me several times this, this week because of my blog post. But when I, when I read what was going on, my instant feeling and it took me a while to craft the blog post so it kind of boiled down a bit but my instant feeling was well if the ibm salespeople keep on leaving what the hell chance do i have well uh, i'll tell you what i think on that uh, i think there's a i have a couple of thoughts on that first of all i wouldn't have said your post was overly dramatic i think it was a bit emotional and um, i also think there were some emotional responses in there that shouldn't have been in there um yeah. but uh, you know I, I have my own opinions on that um I think that you are you you've you've got to remember what you do. You you're and me and and Stuart and Blue Wave and STS and Collab. Uh, we're all development partners. We work in this space. Our jobs will change from year to year. They've always changed from year to year. Yeah. If you know, and we we adapt. You know, we adapt a lot quicker than IBM. Um, we we always will because just because your technology changes or what you're doing and and Stuart, you're a great example of this just because of what you do every week is now changes you still have many many years not too many Stuart I'm not saying you're old many many years of business experience and relationship experience and you know that 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 comes with you that's the the, the best asset you have that's the best ammunition you have and Darren that's what you have and 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 keeping that keeping that relationship and keeping that that business knowledge and keeping that reputation is is key and being you know knowing when to draw a line which we all do and knowing when to be friends and when when not to you know is 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 a very very you know is a is a very hard learned trait and it's one i fail at still for being too honest and too straight sometimes uh, and you know it's one we all fail at from time to time the i i think our if IBM keep losing salespeople, the problem that they have there is the, the sales guys aren't rewarded enough for the Lotus Technology sales. It's, it's not net new. Um, you know, it, it, if it's got connections or it's got web sphere in it, they make more money than they are selling Lotus. So we've got to, you know, we've got to roll with that. We've got to deal with that. And uh, I think that there's, we're 
currently as a business, we're finding, a, you know, we're still a very busy company. We do lots of different things. We also do Lotus Notes and Domino. But in a recession, we're finding a lot of customers now. And we have one particular government customer who I obviously can't name, but it's an astoundingly true story. We, we developed a 10,000 euro solution for them, for an internal system. Putting it in Domino, didn't mention it was Domino. Um, they had a Domino server they didn't even know about. Uh, one, so we put it on it, developed it, put it out there, and that was the first solution this government department had developed that it cost under 100 grand in years. And it works, wow. you know, and, and, and it does the job. So, you, you know, all you got to remember is that IBM is going to go IBM's way. We work around what they do. There's guys in there that will try to change it and work really hard, and there are some people in there that don't get half the credit that they deserve. And top of my list usually is Susan Bullock. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have to roll with it. But they do make some good stuff. They make some awful stuff. But they're just like every other company. I, I have friends of mine who work for us, Microsoft business partners. They have the same problems. The exception I'm finding at the moment to the rule is Symantec, myself, and Warren Ellsmore are, are uh, you know, very amazed with how Symantec deal with new business partners. It's very proactive, very relationship-orientated. Uh, you know, very friendly, and that's. I think IBM could learn a little bit from them. But you, you know, you're, you're dealing with a, with a big company, and it's it's difficult for everyone internally and, and externally. But you know, you'll still be doing consultancy in this product and tools around this product five, ten years from now. I'm absolutely 100% confident of that because customers will still use it; they'll still get value from it, and you guys are top of your game. And and I, I sincerely hope that will be the case. I. I I, you know, as you are, Paul, are probably busier than I've ever been. And, and so, you know, undoubtedly there is consultancy there, there's opportunity there, customers are deploying and are upgrading this technology. So I, I still have, have real strong hopes for the technology. I think what I was lamenting in my, again, perhaps over-emotional tweet about it was that, that the organisation has gone as we knew it. And, and I think one of the strengths of the Lotus organization in the UK was that it did go back to mid-90s. You know, so many people in the organization yeah. were still there. And, and it meant that, that you could identify with those people, you had the relationships, you, you had the way of doing business with them that had, had sustained us through the last 16, 17 years. And I think that's changed now in the, in the changes that have taken place over the last six months. And I don't think it's terminal. I don't think you know, that's going to have a massive impact on the work that we do over the coming years. But it is still a significant change that's taken place. And, and that was the point I was trying to make. Is that it's, this, this felt like a big deal in terms of that change. The other, uh, uh, go on. And it, it, it is a big deal. You know, it, I wouldn't absolutely, you know, it's a big deal him leaving, especially in the market that you work in. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't say you were at all wrong about that. I think I think there was a lot of uh, charged emotions, which is a good testament to how good Darren was or is, you know, in his job and was in that area. So I think you know the positive on that is it's it's just from a personal because we're a social company and we, we do social things and they get social do business. You know, he's going to do business somewhere else, but he'll be wherever he goes, he'll be very good at it. Absolutely. And and the final point on that, I think, is that all three of us are business partners, and and I would, you know say one of the real strengths of business partners is the fact we are long-term folks speak to almost any business partner that you have a relationship with if you're a customer we're talking to today um, you will have a relationship with a business partner who's probably been doing this for 10 years plus and so you know whatever changes IBM make that our business partners retain that long-term kind of look ahead and the independence to be able to offer you the right solutions and the right kind of way ahead so you know hopefully it just strengthens the business partners kind of um, value in 
in in this sort of supply chain that that we work within. So that brings us to the end of our topics for this week. As ever, we will end with our tips. We didn't have them last week from UK Lug, but we're we're back to normal procedure this week. Darren, do you want to kick us off? What's your tip? Stuff I want to outstew it. He only just typed his tip in like five (laughs) seconds ago. (laughs) Oh, how times have changed since pre-UK Lug and (laughs) post-UK. Still hungover. I I am now the smug guy with the tip that's been (laughs) there for two days. (laughs) Um, so my tip is, uh, as everyone knows, I did a lot of traveling over the past couple of weeks. And whenever you move from one side of the Atlantic to another, you've got to take all types of charges and step-down transformers. And basically, you bring with you a nuclear power station so you can actually use the power. Um, yeah, the, term, around- the term mobile computing makes me laugh when I look in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> It's like an octopus. Mm-hmm. I spend more time unfurling all of the power cords than I ever do using the computer once I power it up. Um, so I did a bit of looking around. I was getting a bit peeved at the, the, the amount of crap I was having to carry around. And on Amazon, I found a, what was called a lacrosse charge for all, which is kind of – it's a UK uh, – sorry, a US-style plug. So it's probably only for people in the US. But what it allows you to do is it's, it's kind of modular. And it comes with connectors for micro USB, mini USB, NEI Shiny, uh, some Nokia connections, all of that good stuff. Uh, And a car charger and a wall charger. And you just plug in the connections you want. And you can buy extra on their site if your device isn't on there. And you can charge up to, it's four or five devices at one time, just off this one little um, kind of folio case. It reminds me of a Filofax back in the day, about the same size. And it really cut down on the amount of crap I have to carry. So that is squarely staying in my bag for when I go traveling around the USA. Good good stuff. Uh, that also in turn proves why Wi-Fi goes down in user group events. With the amount of crap that you carry that you have to charge <laughs> that requires IP addresses. Yeah, I mean, everyone, I, had, I had at least... Well, actually, I was on a BlackBerry, so my BlackBerry doesn't have Wi-Fi. So I, I, I had none this time. Shocker. Oh, wow. It wasn't me. Look at that. But Ted Santon did ask at UK Lug how many people had different numbers of devices, or maybe it was one that asked this. And yeah, there were hands going up with four, five, and six Wi-Fi <laughs> connected devices. So Stuart's hands stood up. It did. Oh. It did. Sorry. So um, yeah, with people like that around, there's no doubt that uh, providing Wi-Fi to any kind of conference is a pretty tricky job. So the guys at UK Lug did a great job. And they fixed it by making the DHCP lease three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> works well Paul what's your tip um, I suppose with everything I've been working with uh, for Team Studio I have a Lotus Traveler tip um, on many of the deployments that we do we have a lot of customers that use the directory lookup feature on whatever device they're using but you will notice if we talk iPhone you will have to type in four characters before it actually starts displaying names and up to 25 names in a search uh, some people have asked me to reduce that to three or two characters can you do that you can um, if you go to the ntsconfig.xml file in the Traveler install, there's a parameter called name lookup min length, um, which will be in the show notes, and it equals currently will equal four. You can change that to three. Restart Traveler. It's now three character lookup. Don't set it to one because um, that's just silly. But if you set it to three or something, people tend to use it a bit better and like it a bit more. Have you seen any any performance impact of doing that? Um, it, not so much in doing that, I found, but I, the you can extend it from twenty five to like, to to much more number of users when it comes to displaying how many users in a search result. I found that hitting performance from time to time. 
So I tend to try and keep that at 25 if at all possible. Okay, excellent. Thank you for that tip, Paul. And my tip, as Darren's outed me, um, is something we've already mentioned on this podcast. It's Matt White's user group template. It'll be on OpenNTF soon, as Warren announced at UK Lug. It is just a fabulous tool. Um, you, many of you will have used it already as a user when you go to UK Lug or iLug or um, you know IAMLug or one of the other big user groups. It covers most elements of organising a, a user group. There's information sharing, registration, abstract submission, sponsorship applications, and and very much more as well it's written in x pages so you know i found it a really good way to learn some of the best practice around x pages i'm you know I'm, I'm no developer but i've learned a huge amount from looking into the application and working out how it fits together and how it works um, i'm using it to organize the connections user group we're going to be announcing that very very soon uh, so look out for details of that in the next couple of weeks we'll be announcing that on on as many of the blogs as we can uh, but my tip is the user group template so look out for announcements from matt white for when that goes on the open NTF site, and I guess Paul, you've used that um, that used that user group template as well. And yeah, would, would you we, recommend it? Yeah, it, it does a lot more at the back than people realise. And um, if you want to arrange an event, this any event, and even user yeah, group true. event, if you want to arrange an event, this is worth a look for making your life easier because it's it does some of the logistics heavy lifting that was just a nightmare with spreadsheets when we first started. So this does the work. Excellent. Well, thank you for those tips. Let's go around the table one more time. How do people find you if they want to follow up on any conversations or find out more about your businesses? Darren, do you want to kick us off? Blog.downduke.net for my overly dramatic and overly emotional <laughs> posts. And Darren Duke, all one word for my seemingly endless 140 character rants these days. And where do people find um, your company? Oh, that's a good question. www.simplified-tech.com Lisa always gets in my ear about that, asking you about the company. So there we go. We've got the URL out there. And Paul, where do people find you? Uh, pmooney.net for my website. And up there, there is a link to Skype, Twitter, and just about every other way of getting in touch with me. Uh, bluewavegroup.eu is our website. And if you were in London in two weeks' time, um, I'll be presenting for Team Studio at the Team Studio Traveller Full Day Workshop event as well. Otherwise, you'll see me in some airport. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for joining us today, Paul. I appreciate you giving up your time for the uh, thank podcast. Thank you guys for having me. This is a great podcast. You do it really well. Thank you. It's a pleasure to thank have you, you. on. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Stuart McIntyre or on the blog at blog.collaborationmatters.com. So until next week, this was This Week in Lotus. Bye. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. Guys, my Mac, believe it or not, has crashed. No, so, Macs are what? sacred from heaven. I know. So, so we are still recording, but I have no control of mouse or keyboard.